morning again. Today we're going to look at the, the second parable of the series of parables. We're looking at the parables of Jesus. Today we're going to look at the parable of the sower. It's an interesting parable because it's the first one that appears in the Gospel of Matthew, but it also Jesus explains it for us, which most parables don't have an explanation with them. That was the point of a parable, is to tell a story that the hearer has to do a little digging, has to do a little work on their own to figure out what it means. That's the reason that, that the prophets and, and Jesus and others have told, told parables, was to to force your listener, to force the hearer to actually do something to earn the meaning of it, essentially. And so as we talked about parables, we looked at them last week. Those parables, I think, were fairly easy for us to understand. Some of them will be. Some of them are a little more challenging. But when we talk about the idea of a parable, I wanted to read you a few quotes from William Barclay. He was a great biblical commentary writer of, of just what a parable is. What, what is a parable? He said, the simplest definition of a parable is, in fact, to say that it is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a story that's going to, you're going to be able to relate to the, the story itself, but the meaning sometimes can be hidden or difficult, and, and it takes some, some work to get. And speaking to that, William Barclay also said this, the other side of that is that the parable conceals truth from those who are either too lazy to think or too blind through prejudice to see. The parable puts the responsibility fairly and squarely on the individual. The parable reveals truth to him who desires truth. It conceals truth from him who does not wish to see the truth. So a parable is an interesting way of teaching because it causes those of us who are hearing the parable to do some real thinking. It's not a simple explanation of something and just giving the truth and it's black and white and here it is. The parable forces us to work for it. If you won't work for the parable, then you're not going to get the parable. And that's the reason that Jesus, we're going to see the reason why Jesus tells, t- speaks in parables. Is, it's one of those reasons is he wants his hearers to actually earn it, to work for it. Okay? So today we're going to look at the parable of the sower We'll find that parable in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's okay. It'll be up here on the screen behind me. Matthew 13 is where we'll find this parable. It's a very quick parable, so we should be out of here pretty... Well, I should, we should be. I can't promise you anything. Out of here fairly quickly. Especially since Jesus explains it for us. makes it a little easier than some of the parables we're going to see throughout this series. Begins, give us a little, sets the scene of where Jesus is. It says... In Matthew 13, verse 1, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, remember where Jesus is speaking. This is in an agricultural area. Their whole, most of their economy is based on agriculture, whether it's farming or, 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 or livestock. And so these people, when they hear that, are going to go, okay, been there and done that, right? They've all sown seed before. Most of you have all probably sown seed before. It's a benefit of living in an agriculture area. Jesus' stories are much easier to understand than those who live in large cities who have never had their hands in dirt before. A lot of explaining has to go on for those people. You guys are just going to get it because you've been there and you've done it before. You've sowed seed of some kind, whether it was a lawn or it's a garden or you're farming. Whatever it is, you've done this before. So this story will be pretty easy for you to understand. Farmers going out to sow seed, like farmers do. And this is what happens. It says, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. 
Jesus is talking about sowing seed. Fairly simple. Now, of course, it's a parable. So we know that in a parable, it's not about sowing seed, right? That's not the point of the story. But we'd all understand this part of it. There's four different soil types that the seed is sown on. This happens in every, every piece of ground, ground a farmer's going to plant, right? There's a path in which, for us, we drive. They would walk up and down to change irrigation, to do whatever they had to do for the thing to, to, to make sure that their crop would, would grow. And so the first seed falls on the path. Well, the paths in which they're walking for us, they're irrigation roads, right? You throw a bunch of seed on the irrigation road, what's going to happen? It's been so packed down, especially in our soil, from driving over it all these years, that seed's not going to take root, and it's not going to grow. The second part falls on the rocky place. Now, in this region of the, of the world, it's notorious for having just a little bit of topsoil under, with rock right underneath it, with bedrock right underneath it. Well, we all know there's no way for that to get any water and to sustain. The roots aren't going to get deep enough to go. And so some of it falls on the rocky ground, which it, it springs up, it looks like it's going to grow, and as soon as the sun comes out, scorched earth on it, right? There's no way it's gonna, it can't keep up. There's no way, there's no roots to get into the water to, to have real life. Other seed, seed fell among the thorns. Now we've been there and done that, right? Goat heads, our, our great nemesis. Those things are terrible. They choke out everything around it. Right? I've got some of it in my lawn, trying to get rid of it. Without killing the lawn too, it's pretty difficult unless you want to get their hands and knees and start pulling them, which we've been doing. It's no fun. We know that those thorns, they cover everything. And so to try to get anything to grow in that, it's impossible because they're going to take over and steal the water from your, from your crop and nothing's going to grow. And the last one, the farmer was able to sow a seed where he was trying to the entire time, right? On the ground that's been worked. That's been, been tilled up that's ready and waiting for a crop. And that crop, Jesus tells them, the, stuff that, the seed that lands where it was supposed to land, it's going to grow abundantly. So they produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. It took off and did exactly what it was supposed to do. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now Jesus' first listeners are thinking, why are you telling us? We know this, Right? you're not teaching us anything we don't know. We don't come to you for farming advice. We've all been there and done it. What's happening? Remember, it's a parable. So what we see, which is unique to this parable, is his disciples are going to come and ask him what's going on. Why are you teaching him parables? And Jesus is going to give us an explanation. So in verse 10, it says, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? They're understanding that, hey, the people aren't getting it. They're thinking you're putting on an agriculture class here when that's not the point. What's why are you doing this, right? And this is Jesus' response. Because he replied in verse 11, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. If you come to, upon this, Originally, you would think, well, that's kind of mean. Like, why is Jesus telling stories that people won't understand? Then he's going to quote from Isaiah chapter 6, 9 through 10. That's those bottom two lines we're going to see in just a second. Some more from that Isaiah passage, which will bring us some clarity of what he's doing. Jesus, and throughout his ministry on earth, Jesus was concealing his true identity until it was the right time. We see that throughout the Gospels, that Jesus is trying to keep himself. At one point, he tells the disciples, hey, don't tell people who I am. Right? Don't let that secret out of the bag yet. It's not 
not time. So I think part of what Jesus is doing here is trying to reveal, to, trying to essentially hide who he really is as he's teaching until the time in which he thinks is appropriate. The other part of it is Jesus is trying to get people to actually do some work, to dig on their own. Jesus gives us lots of teachings throughout and gave lots of teachings throughout the Gospels as we see in lots that weren't recorded in the Gospels that are simple and plain to understand. He sits up there and he gives you the information. Here, he wants his hearers to work for it, to do a little digging of, them, of their own and have to do some critical thinking, which is important for us. And it's a great reminder for us as Christians that we're supposed to be people who have of deep thought, that we have to be able to think through life's great problems as Christians. Now, we have a source that we go to, the Scriptures, which help us in that, but we should be able to be deep thinkers. We should be able to, to, to think about all kinds of things that maybe are difficult to think about, whether it's life or death or the, the universe itself, or all these different things that have to be thought of in a deep way. We should be able to do that in order to engage people who aren't Christians in those conversations. second part of that is when we come to the Bible, we sometimes, I did that when I first first opened it as a, as, a, as a young man, teenager, we come to the Bible expecting to just be able to read it and get right, something right from it. There are books of the Bible that way. Proverbs is one of those books, as we're talking about that in our Bible study. But the book of Proverbs, you can open up the book of Proverbs and you will take something from the book of Proverbs right away without any historical context. Most of the Bible, though, is not that way. Most of the Bible, you have to put some work into. Remember, it was written... The latest parts of the Bible, almost 2,000 years ago. Some of it going back four and 5,000 years. But when we open the Bible, you're not going to just get it. Not all of it. It takes work. You're going to have to go and, and you have to do some research and some digging. That's why most of us probably have a study Bible. You go down underneath and you say, that doesn't make any sense. What? And what we find out is when we understand the culture that it took place in and the way that people lived, then all of a sudden it makes sense. I think part of that is important for us here. As Jesus is talking about people who need to do the work, the hard work of understanding what he has to say. It's true for us today. We've got to put the hard work in. That's the reason we go to Bible study. That's why the reason we come here is that we're going to try to, together in a community, figure out what this book says and means because it has so much in it. And it's so great speaking towards our lives. Jesus says to them, that the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom are, are theirs and are not yet ready to give to everybody else. The disciples have been trusted with something very special, Jesus tells them. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And he continues the Isaiah passage. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Jesus is speaking to isn't just the masses of people. Remember, there is a group that's going to, to, to separate themselves that are, that are going to end up killing Jesus. Right? So those religious leaders that we picked on yesterday, last week, excuse me, in the story of the two lost sons, people whose hearts have become so hard because they think they're following the law so well and they become so judgmental that they can't see 
that we're all in need of grace. That's the older son in the story we looked at last week, right? Luke 15, the older son, right? Remember the younger son takes his part of the inheritance, goes and he spends it on wild living, comes back, and the dad rejoices, has a party, and the older son does what? If you were here last week. Right? Because, Dad, I've been here all along. I've slaved for you. I've never disobeyed you. And how could this son of yours who squandered his wealth with prostitutes, how could you throw a party for him when he comes back? I've been here the whole time. I've always been faithful. I've always been good. And that story ends, as we saw last week. Jesus ends the story abruptly with the older son outside the party, which we decided was heaven, because his own righteousness got in the way. Remember, those that are, some of the people that are hearing what Jesus is saying right now are some of those people that are so religious and got so caught up in what they think is their own righteousness that they're going to miss the point. They're going to literally kill Jesus eventually. So what Jesus is talking about here, I think by quoting this Isaiah passage, is exactly those people. The people who should be understanding, who should be on board with Jesus, who should be the most excited that Jesus is there, those who have been studying the Bible, the Old Testament, their whole lives have dedicated their lives to it, teachers of the law and the Pharisees who are supposed to be leading the religious life of the Jewish people, they're the ones who should be getting it, and they won't. They won't get it. Matter of fact, they, 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 they so won't get it that they will literally be screaming, crucify him, crucify him as Jesus is before Pilate. So this is for them, I believe. Jesus says, the people who think they're going to get all the answers are going to miss it. And those of you who maybe wouldn't normally think of yourselves as, as the top of, are going to get it. You're going to hear it. And it's going to take root and it's going to grow. Isaiah was talking about those same people essentially when he came to this earth as a prophet to the Jewish people who should be getting it and who were not. Jesus continues in verse 16. He says, But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus reminds them, those disciples, who have sacrificed an awful lot to follow him, that what they are experiencing is what thousands of years of faithful Jewish people had been leading up to and wanting to experience themselves. You think of people of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, who began the promise God said, Abraham, I'm going to do something amazing in your life, and you're going to have a son, and that son's going to bless the whole world, and his descendants, your descendants, will be like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And Abraham has faith and trusts God, and sure enough, it happens, and then it continues on through Jacob and Isaac, and we keep keep going through David and Solomon and all these people that are heroes of the Old Testament who were all a part of the story leading up to the moment of Jesus. Jesus reminds his disciples that, hey, what you are seeing, what you're a part of right now, there's lots of people throughout history that would love to be alive for this moment. Those of us who, who identify with this Jesus, call ourselves Christians, always think back of, man, what, it, what would it have been like to be in the dust of Jesus, to follow on those dusty paths with him, and to see all of what we read about in the Gospels, what we, to see it in person. Jesus reminding his disciples of that, hey, you're, you're, you're lucky to be here and to see this. He says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. 
and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. They sacrificed, they gave. Remember, the prophets of the Old Testament weren't popular people. We read about them. They're heroes of ours because they're willing to speak truth when it wasn't easy, when it was difficult. But remember, most of the prophets are killed because the message they bring isn't popular. Hey, you guys aren't that great. You should probably stop, repent, and turn around. And people don't like that. I don't know if you know that or not. They don't like to be told they're wrong. We don't, we're not real fond of that. Jesus says all those people who have given so much to be a part of the story, they'd long, they'd love to be here and to see what you're seeing and to hear what you're hearing. Don't forget it. We're lucky that we're on this side of the cross where we get to read it and study it and learn from it. Now Jesus is going to explain the parable to them, which he, it's not, the, that's the, the, kind of not the point of a parable, right? But Jesus is going to explain it to them. It's the first one he tells in the Gospel of Matthew is being patient. And so he explains it to him in verse Starting in verse 18. It says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. Right? Doesn't even get a chance to take root on the path. The path is too hard. The ground is, is too compact. So Jesus says they'll hear it. The seed is planted. It doesn't go anywhere. The roots don't even get a chance to take root. The seed falling on rocky ground, verse 20, refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. They're excited about it, right? But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Maybe some of us have been that person before in our lives. Maybe that's how your story began. You could have grown up in church your whole life, or maybe you came to a vacation Bible school or a summer camp and you heard it, right, and you're excited. Whenever we took our kids to camps, when I was in youth ministry, it was always hard because they're on the mountaintop and on the bus, bus ride or the van ride home, you're just sitting there praying for them because you know as soon as they get home, something's going to happen, right? And they're going to just, they're going to crash. And it just bummed you out because you knew that they were just on such a spiritual high and then as soon as they got home, you knew something was going to take place and it was just going to tear them all the way back down. That's the, that's the person right here we're talking about, right? They, they hear the message and they're so excited for it and they're so excited to change their life and they get home Back to reality. And what do we all do? Because we're creatures of habit as we fall back into the same routines we've always had and sure enough, it's gone, right? And we've all been there and done that. Something, something comes in life, whether it's trouble or it's persecution and it's just, it, we don't have it yet, right? Or the roots aren't there yet. And so we just, we go back to the way we've always been. Jesus continues his, his explanation about the, the last two soil types. So the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. If there's any one of the soils that we should pay close attention to, as those of us living in this country today, it's this one. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful you and i sit today in a country that may be the richest country the world has ever seen in all of world history and so if there's one we need to hear it's this one how often have have we all probably in different times of our life got distracted 
by just our stuff. If you think about it, spend a, a moment right now thinking about how much time every week you spend maintaining your stuff. Whether it's your house, your car, it's a hobby, whatever it is, how much time do we spend a week on our stuff? If you really want to be bummed out when you leave today, compare that with how much time you spend with people. Because remember, the stuff isn't going to last. It gets broke, it rusts, we get bored with it, and we sell it. The only thing that's eternal on this earth is our fellow men and women. They're the only thing that's going to last. All the rest of it's junk. It's going to go away at some point, no matter how valuable we think it is. If there's anything that I, I know I need to hear, and maybe you might need to hear it too, is our stuff is just stuff. It's going to come and go. And what we need to make sure we are investing in is our fellow human beings. Especially those of us who have kids at home right now. Right? For those of us who have our children home, our most important priority in life when it comes to discipleship isn't discipling someone else, it's discipling those little people and making sure that we give them everything we can so that when they leave home, this Jesus is already in their heart, firmly planted, roots are deep. But far too often our stuff takes way too high of a priority in our life. And we all look around, no matter what tax bracket you're in, no matter how wealthy you think you are or aren't, if you own a car, you're like top 15% in the world. A car. I didn't say a good car. I said a car, right? You're rich compared to the world standards and compared to history standards. Even when we don't think we're rich, we live in this country, we are. And so if there's one of these soils that we have got to guard our hearts against it's being the, the soil that has the thorns in it because we've got all kinds of thorns distracting us if you don't believe me go home today and turn the tv on and every five minutes you're going to see two minutes of commercials that are going to tell you about the newest thing that's out that you need to have got to have it you're not sure why you need it right not have you ever been sick and you stayed up late at night and you saw the, the commercials the infomercials where they're selling stuff they start convincing you you need the stuff. You're like, I need that broom. It's going to be, my house will be so clean. It'll be, it's just a broom, right? It's not really that much special than any other broom. But they're convincing you, and by the end of it, you need the, the food dehydrator, right? You're like, I need that. I've got to have that. It's going to, my family will be so healthy. We, you'll buy it, you'll use it two times, you'll put it in the cupboard, you'll never use it again, right? We're constantly sold, and especially those, remember, especially our young people who they've never known anything different. We're constantly being told of what we need to have. Well, there's lots of things we need to have, and lots of those things aren't sold on TV. Don't need any of those things. They're a luxury. How often do we spend so much of our time and our energy on luxuries? We cannot become the seed that falls in the thorns. Because the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth will choke the word out. And the only thing that will be everlasting in our life will be gone then because we've, we put all of our faith and our hope and our trust in our stuff. I know I've told you lots and lots of times, 
I've done lots and lots of funerals, and I've never seen anybody pull a boat behind the hearse. You can try if you want to. It'll be a funny story we'll all tell, but you know what they can't do? They can't cram it in there with you. The hole's only so big. That stuff, is, it's, it goes away. The people that you're sitting with will not go away. They'll be everlasting. Last but certainly not least, we get to verse 23. Jesus says, but the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it, and this is the one who produces a crop. This is the person, Jesus says, we're, we're after here, is the person who will hear our words and will put those words into practice. And notice what Jesus does. It's important. It's, it's kind of easy to skip over, but it's important. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Notice that he gives three different kind of levels of production, which is great. It's a great reminder for us that just because you're not 100 and you're 30, doesn't matter. You're using the gifts God has given you. How often do we, we play the spiritual comparison game where we think to ourselves, well, I'm not quite as good as old so-and-so. Well, old so-and-so is not that good. Spoiler alert, just so you know. I don't care how, how fancy their suit is or what they're saying. They're a person and they fall short. But God gives gifts and he gives those out. And some people's gifts leads them to 100, right? You've met that person before that's just like constantly an evangelist and they're baptizing people and they're doing that. And they're, great, God gave them that gift. God didn't give you that gift. That's okay. God gave you a different gift. Use that gift for his glory. Whatever it is he gave you, you use it. And if you do that, at the end of your days, you'll be here before God and he'll say to you, well done. My good and faithful servant. Job well done. You did all you could do with what I gave you. That's all God asks of us, is to give it everything we've got. To do whatever we can with what God has given us. If you're not 100, don't feel bad about it. If you're a 60 or a 30, great. You know what? Your house will be the same size in heaven. Doesn't matter. You're still there. You're there. You're faithful. You're doing your job. And so whatever God has gifted you with, whether it's something up here or something behind the scenes, it's your gift. And you use it. And when you use it for God, it doesn't go unnoticed. And it produces a crop, a crop in which you'll never see all the fruits of because you're passing that on. And you're passing what's most important on, this faith in this Jesus, on to that next generation of person. That's all God's asking us to do, is to be the kind of people who hear his word, do the very best we can to understand it, and to put it into practice. That's it. That's what he's asking of us. Nothing more and nothing less. We can all be those kind of people. We can do it. Because God has promised us he'd never leave us, he'd never forsake us, and he'd give us his Holy Spirit to help us along the way. That Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and it'll help us in that understanding, it'll help us in that day-to-day living of saying, hey, I think that's something you shouldn't do. You should stay away from it. Now, you can choose to ignore it if you, if you want. We all have. But that Spirit's there. It's prompting us. What I found is when we hear and we listen to that spirit that resides inside of us, we're, that, we're the soil, the good soil, and we'll produce a crop. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity we have to, to hear these words of Jesus today.
as we, as we read and understand the parable of the sower. And God, we just ask that you would help us to be the kinds of people who are the good soil, the kind that your seed lands in, it takes root, and it grows, and it, it blesses those around us. And Father, we ask that you would help us to do that, to be a blessing to those around us. God, we're so thankful for the opportunity we have to be in this church today, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to worship you through, through singing of the hymns to you, just to honor you and to glorify you, worshiping through your, through your communion body and your blood which was broken and spilled for us and, and through your word. God, we're so grateful that we have this Bible that we know have people through thousands of years have sacrificed to bring to us. We're so grateful that we have it, that we can come, we can open it up, we can read it and learn it. We ask for your guidance and your wisdom as we do that. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who didn't just speak words of life but showed us what life really looks like. A life well lived is a life that's sacrificed for others or we give to those around us. And Father, help us as we live in a country where we have so much stuff and we have so great of wealth to not become the, the soil with thorns in it, to not distract ourselves from what's most important, you and the people around us, for our stuff, for our things that will not last, God. They're all temporal. We know, though, that you and the brothers and sisters we find around us in Christ are forever. So help us to invest in them every chance we get. God, we thank you and we love you and we pray all this in the powerful and holy name of your son, Jesus. All God's people say.